Welcome to Faith in Capital, a show where persons and communities of Christian faith are invited to engage the system of capitalism theologically and ethically, or you might say from a faith perspective. I'm your host, Chase Tibbs. I thought Monday Thursday would be a good time to talk a little bit about solidarity. You know, Monday Thursday will mean different things for different people. For some folks, it's a time when you privately take communion in your chair in a dimly lighted room and think about Jesus being slaughtered on the cross so God wouldn't have to slaughter you. For others, Monday Thursday is when the church's men's groups gets together and washes one another's feet and oddly reinforces a bunch of patriarchal gender and sexual norms. Still, other church leaders see Monday Thursday as a time to reinforce the perspective that anyone and everyone is welcome in the body of Christ no matter what. That political polarization between Republicans and Democrats is the real problem in our country. Or that national or party unity is what we need most when the U.S. initiates a new war. Pandemics like COVID-19 happen. Or an economic crisis starts to threaten, or perhaps crush, ourselves and our neighbors. And I think it's important we resist all of those interpretations, uh, because they all end up reinforcing, whether knowingly or unknowingly, the many sins of capitalism, the sins of white and male supremacy, and the sin of U.S. imperialism, among many other things. And so instead, I'd like to suggest that In our remembrance of Jesus' life and death, Christians could think about the actions of Jesus on the night he was betrayed as a call to live in radical solidarity with fellow workers of the world, and especially those who are rendered disposable to capitalism's primary aim of profit maximization by being discarded and denied access to the necessary means of survival like wages, healthcare, and a home, or by being rounded up in cages down the street or on the southern border. Because while the Apostle Paul problematically reinforces several violent ideologies and relationships in his first letter to the Church of Corinth, He is also writing to the Corinthians because some people have started to claim superiority and power over others on grounds of their wealth, their social status, and their knowledge. While there was an abundance to be shared within the community, many were going without. For more on this, check out our All Things in Common series. We're actually taking a break from uh, for this series. But here is Paul in 1 Corinthians 11. He says, The Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now, I'm no biblical scholar here, but I think it's very safe to say that the primary purpose for Paul's first letter to the church in Corinth was to theologically smash any rationale for the social hierarchies and material inequalities that he is hearing about from afar. 
And that should inform how we hear Paul's take on what communion is really about. And given that Jesus's life and ministry constantly undermined his day's status quo, was aligned with Judaism's prophetic tradition that condemned the rich and preferentially opted for the disposable and the poor, and pointed toward a coming kingdom or realm of God where debtors would be free from creditors, the enslaved would be free from their masters, and the land would be redistributed to those who had it taken from them, I think it's urgent we remember Jesus's state-sanctioned torture and execution, right, his death, in light of this movement, this tendency toward liberation, toward equality, and toward deep solidarity. But one of the important distinctions that means naming again and again is the difference between class-blind calls for unity and working-class solidarity. The former, under capitalism, reinforces capitalist power and exploitation at the expense of the masses of working people. It covers up the many other social hierarchies, like white supremacy and patriarchy, that capitalism has forever fed upon and been propped up by. And it justifies, and often encourages, a disremembering of the mass death wrought by global capitalist powers like the U.S. in their endless imperialist pursuits. While the latter, working-class solidarity, says there is a fundamental division between those who primarily make their living or luxury by exploiting people's labor, extracting wealth through rents, preying on people's dependence upon debt, price gouging as a corporate monopoly, extracting huge profits as a wealthy investor, and the rest of us who primarily survive and thrive through the selling of our or a family member's labor for a paycheck. As the coronavirus is yet to peak in the privately semi-insured United States, as climate change ramps up each and every day, as the democratic establishment continues to fight working-class organizing for an alternative to capitalist exploitation and dispossession. And as the Republican establishment is further leading the United States and other countries down the path of fascism, the breaking of the bread and the sharing of the wine must have something to say to the capitalist commitment to profit over life. And let's be clear, it is not enough for workers of one nation to dismantle capitalism inside their country and then call it a day. We are on the verge of a global economic crisis, and increasingly, as the neoliberal project fails more and more people all across the world, whether it fails to feed and shelter them, fails to keep them out of debt, fails to provide them with adequate health care, or fails to realize the gifts of flourishing, well-being, and dignity, that this kind of capitalism promises to every individual in the least, the ruling capitalists of each and every particular nation and their politicians will look to keep the workers of the world from realizing that we as a class have more in common with workers of all nations and with the most destitute whose lives are rendered disposable and criminal than we do with our bosses, the board of directors and CEOs of private banks, 
our landlords, and rich-ass politicians who continue to run the country in the interests of the capitalist elite as most authorities of a capitalist state have always done. And radical solidarity does not mean that we deny or erase the important differences in how we are racialized or gendered or differently abled. Deep solidarity does not dismiss the plurality of sexual preference or liberative identity struggles or even the material differences of income and wealth among the working class. Rather, in our remembrance of the crucified one, in our being renewed and reformed within the liberating body of Christ, Christians should take those differences more seriously and should understand that our well-being is intertwined and interconnected. On one hand, there's no use to even discussing socialism and class struggle in the U.S. if we're not going to take seriously prison abolition and the abolition of material racial and gender inequality. The masses of working people will never be free. People of color will never be free. Women and gender nonconformists will never be free unless we learn to struggle in radical solidarity with one another as a class against all forces of domination and oppression. But on the other hand, coming out of conservative evangelicalism, I spent a lot of time in class and capital-blind liberal circles that unknowingly reinforced the assumption that white people and people of color really don't have anything in common, and that men and women and gender nonconformists really don't have any meaningful shared interests whatsoever, let alone a common need of being liberated. But a radical or revolutionary or more leftist approach to the sins of white supremacy and patriarchy reject the conservative and liberal ideologies that reinforce class-blind notions that say white workers have more in common with white bosses than they do with non-white workers, or Working-class males have more in common with males who are billionaires than we do with our queer, female, and trans co-workers. We share in our being excluded from the important decision-making that impacts our bodies and minds and families and futures at our places of work. We share in our inability to have any real democratic, economic, and political power in our communities. We share in our endless paying on rents, mortgages, and debts, and we share in the costs and anxieties and the suffering that a capitalist state dumps on working people. Of course, some groups shoulder these burdens disproportionately and unequally, and deep solidarity requires taking racial and gender domination seriously, but we still profoundly share in these class-based trials together. As followers of the way, I pray the washing of one another's feet and the sharing in the body and the blood of Christ will compel us to unite with the workers of the world. For on that night that Jesus was betrayed, we can see a God who resists inequality, dismantles social hierarchy, and confronts the way of the world that would have the many conquered for the pleasures, the power, and the profits of the few. In the breaking, in the sharing of the bread, we are told that deep, liberating solidarity is the way of the cross.
So in this pressing time of great uncertainty, may we, the workers of the world, begin to unite. Thanks for listening, and a special thank you to the Patreon supporters of Faith and Capital. This work would not be possible without your financial support. Thank you for believing in this work and for believing that an alternative world is possible. If you found today's episode meaningful, you can support Faith and Capital by sending an episode to a friend, posting it on your social media, leaving a review or rating on iTunes, or contributing a few bucks a month at patreon.com slash faithandcapital. We'll talk soon.